Hello. I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie, and we're talking about the evil Amish man, Eli Weaver. Thank you. Enjoy. Okay, I'm ready now. Okay. Barbara Miller grew up in Apple Creek, Ohio. She was born in 1979. She's close with her sister, Fanny, and she has two brothers. Um, Her family are Andy Weaver Amish, which is like middle of the road Amish, not the most conservative, not the most lenient. They're just like in the middle. Her and her sister go to school until eighth grade and then are sent home to learn how to be real women. Oh, then we're quite Amish. Oh, yeah. Um, No need for more education than that. You're done. You can read. Oh, fuck. I you think can't she read can't. by eighth grade. She can read, but like, that's not, they're not like. Encouraged to? No. Okay. So the boys do the farm work. The women do the housework. She can read recipes. That's what she can read. <laughs> Did you watch um Women Talking like I told you to? No. <laughs> I watched All Quiet in the, on the Western Front like you told me to. And it the, was good. Yeah. The music. When that came in during the coffin part yeah in the beginning a little bit of a panic attack feeling i think it was meant to i think yeah. they did a great job why they won an oscar but when they were like winning their oscars they would play it at, mm-hmm. in the, and i was like stop playing Me it too i watched that too it's <laughs> yeah. like no 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 <laughs> anyway so during her rumspringa she's still pretty tame like she doesn't do anything crazy she's like not interested like she likes her life and like likes this role for her people do i think they come the majority of them come back. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk? What define it for me? Like rum spring. So you're not, um, you're not you until you've done. <laughs> <laughs> you're not baptized into like the Amish church until you're like 20 or 21. So from like 18 to 21, you can go do your own thing and you're choose. Like encouraged to go out in the real, not the real world, the, the like English modern world. world, the English world. Okay. And like kind of try it out and then right. y- usually come back happy to like look i tried it out there i prefer it here and now i'm committing to it for life right right and now i've come back and i'm going to be baptized in it and mm-hmm. here i go um and she just like she never questioned that she would come back like it wasn't really a thing for her mm-hmm. her rum spring was filled with fast food and romance novels <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> So when she's about 19, she starts becoming interested in a boy that she's known since they were young. His name is Eli Weaver. He's a fellow Amish guy. And he seems to be like, to fit the part for a husband, like great Amish husband for me. So they start courting. But he is a little bit of a rascal. He wears non-Amish clothes sometimes. He goes to the movies. He drinks alcohol. And he has a camera. (laughs) (laughs) Are we on our little um break right now no we're back yeah, he's breaking rule like he breaks oh, the rules we've cho- we've done our rum springa and yeah. now we're back in the community yeah we've done it we've committed to it for life and now yeah. you're acting out yeah okay yeah you're a problem his father is actually a minister but his parents like defend him whenever he gets in trouble for like breaking the rules like this okay but like you don't have to be here no, I know. You know what I mean? Like, if you're dying to have a digital camera, if you want a digi that bad, <laughs> go out and go out there. Well, we'll we will say that many times. Okay. Okay. So they court for a year, which includes you know buggy rides. Okay. They get married in 1999. It's a big old wedding. Um, 
And we are like, it's traditional gender roles time. The wife must submit to her husband. Divorce is forbidden. And the Amish actually have a divorce rate of, guess what? Nothing. 0.001%. Wow. To submit. Submit. And all that implies... You have unhappy women in your community. <laughs> and if they were to divorce, they leave the church. So they're yeah. not like part of the percentage anymore. I'm baking my whole life on continuing to be married to, to you. Right. So Barbara is very happy to start her new like wifely life. And they have five children in seven years. Oh, my God, Barb. You can't call her Barbara. Barb. Barbara. <laughs> because we're going to have another Barb come in. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that will make things too confusing. <laughs> So Eli runs like an Amish store. So the store is pretty successful, but Eli does not give Barbara enough money to take care of the kids. And this is when it starts reminding me of Susan and Josh Powell, mm-hmm. where like the relig- they're Mormon and they're like religious. The Powell family? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're Mormon and these people are Amish, obviously. And the, the institution of their marriage, mm-hmm. like... Sets it up so the abusive husband can completely remove her from the bank accounts, from the outside world and everything. And if Mm. she wants to reach out for help, the person she has to talk to is a a leader in her church, a man in her church who's going to ask her what she's doing Mm -hmm. that's a failure in her marriage. Right. It's trap. Brenda Lafferty, too. Right. They were um, Mormon, too. And if you have a problem with your with your man you got to go talk to another man in the church who will tell you maybe you're not doing enough to help your husband in life how maybe you're, you're not doing enough failing right like their starting point is like closer to total control yeah and like that kind of abusive relationship dynamic yeah then like an, the average relationship would begin the average non-religious man doesn't have a mandate from god to dominate you right and these guys do right um, or like to be in total control of the money. Right. Yeah. Of the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. Like being your conduit to the the rest of the world. Like you got to get through your, go through your husband to get to anybody. Right. Not in your home. Ew. And if you're lucky, your husband is just like, cool, kind of nice or yeah. not actively evil, but right. it's still shitty. Yeah. And then there's people who do get actively evil ones. So Barbara is fulfilling her role, but Eli is not. He's rarely home at night for dinner. He was obsessed with sex and is also not paying the bills. What the hell are you doing? Right. So he owed a local shop $9,000 and they will collect. But they confront him about it and he's like, I don't care. I don't care that I owe you money. No, he's like, and it will go unpaid. (laughs) (laughs) So at one point, uh, it's Barbara's turn to like bake pies for church and he wouldn't even give her enough money to buy the ingredients. So she had to go like empty handed. Now you're humiliating me. Exactly. And you're infringing on my ability to be the wife I want to be for the Lord. Right. Remember when Susan Powell like had to feed her kids like hot dog water? Yeah, like a quarter (laughs) of a hot dog each. Yeah, I do. Even though they had plenty of money. Yeah, I do. Um, He's also gone overnight quite frequently, claiming he's on hunting trips, but she suspects he's cheating. Barbara told her sister Fanny that Eli often wanted oral sex, which she did not want to do. But that Mm. did not matter to him, that she didn't want to do that. Uh Uh-huh. 
he seems to not even really notice that their children exist. Like he doesn't really acknowledge their presence um, and is gone for days at a time. And she is left alone with five children under seven and no money. Uh, at one point, he completely abandons the family for a few months to live with a non-Amish woman, but comes back. And his parents are like, that's fine. Okay. Everyone forgives him because the most important thing above all is the reunification of the family. So they will just Mm-mm. allow whatever he does to keep that marriage together. I can't believe that. Okay, so we're 2006. It's been like seven years of marriage and like shit's still really horrible. Mm. Barbara asks her sister if she could take her kids for a bit so they can like work on their marriage, like just them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she agrees, but that doesn't help anything. Yeah, like the problem isn't that like you don't have time to be together a lot because you have children. The problem is like he hates like, this. No commitment or interest in your family or you. Yeah, he's just a horrible person. Yeah, like you got a lemon. He gets his hand on a cell phone and starts getting into chat rooms to meet women. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not Josh good. Powell. Correct. Okay. He leaves her again to live outside of the community, but comes back. Can you dip in and out of being a fucking Amish? He can, I guess. What the fuck? If he like repents. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of the other women that he is talking to, they will actually meet up to have sex, but sometimes he will just like chat with them. Yeah. I'm finding the whole thing fucking exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> um, Barbara starts meeting with a counselor, but Eli makes her stop. Um, But she will occasionally still call and write her counselor letters, confiding that she believes her husband is still cheating and that marriage is not what she hoped it would be. Yeah. He's also caught having sex with a woman in his store at one point. What more can he do? Nothing. So now he he stops like denying that he's doing this. I mean, he was caught red handed Mm -hmm. and he's saying to Barbara, quote, I could have 50 girlfriends if I wanted and you're lucky to have me as your husband. Okay, that you're being funny now. Right. But like I could have 50 fucking evil. Yeah, really terrible. So June 2nd, 2009, around 3 a.m., Eli's friend Steve comes to their home to pick him up to go on a fishing expedition. Another man who's with them, um, David, goes up to the house and knocks and there's no answer. Um, They're knocking around all the other doors and eventually a light comes on and Eli comes out. Uh, 3 a.m. wake up call? Yeah, we gotta get to the quarry. Yeah, we're Amish. We're getting up an hour early today. What were you up late watching TV? (laughs) On their way, they pick up two other guys, and as they drive, they all notice that Eli is very focused on his cell phone. They stop at a place for breakfast, and Eli orders a ton of food but barely eats any of it. He also goes to the bathroom with his cell phone at least twice during the meal, and the men point out to each other how much he ordered and he didn't eat, and they all agree amongst each other that he's acting very strangely. And why do you have a... You're not... You shouldn't have a phone. We're Amish. What the fuck? Um, I think Steve is Mennonite. So he's like, I can have a cell phone. And like, I'm not a narc. Like, I'm not going to tell. Okay. Um, But like, you're being fucking weird all around. Yeah. Okay. They get to Lake Erie at around 6 a.m. and get on their charter boat. Eli is still acting really weird and asks them if they had seen his tackle box while he was holding it in his hand. You're distracted. What'd you do? Meanwhile, at the Weaver house, four of the Weaver children were sleeping there um, one was like staying at a cousin's house or something, mm-hmm. and two of their cousins had slept over. They sleep until eight, which is odd because Barbara usually wakes them up before that. 
Um, so one of the cousins follows the sound of a child crying into Barbara's bedroom and finds her lying there with blood everywhere. She has a wound in her chest. Mm. So there's no phone in the house, obviously. Oh, am I going to do run? <laughs> yes. Uh, the eldest boy runs across to their neighbors, Furman and Linda. Furman and Linda walk over to the house. Linda goes into the bedroom and sees her body, runs to another house with a phone and calls for help. We need a phone. <laughs> Guys, I can't be running. The shit. <laughs> the EMTs pronounce her dead at 9:30 a.m. Linda tells them that she last saw her alive at 8 p.m. the previous night, um, across the yard, like sitting on her porch. She says she didn't hear a gun so- gunshot overnight. Detectives find a small caliber rifle and large gauge shotgun, but neither of them fit the wound. They find two correct size guns in another outbuilding, however. So the autopsy, they believe her time of death was around 2 a.m., but they range it also from 12 to 5. Okay. So overnight. In the night. In the night. Okay, a guy named Mark also lives across the road, and he went fishing with Eli often. The day before the murder, he had been fishing with Eli and others, including a Mennonite woman named Barb Raber who provided a taxi service for Eli and had driven them to their fishing spot. Huh. Right. She's 10 years older, uh, married, and has three children. Is she out of her fucking mind? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mark had noticed that Eli and Barb clearly had like a connection happening. I mean, it was obvious to anyone who saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you you could feel it in the fucking room. It's undeniable chemistry. It was uncomfortable. Animal magnetism. (laughs) Um, but he was unaware that they had recently resumed a long time affair. Okay. But also so throughout the fishing day, Eli and Barb would like talk seriously together. Like they would huddle and like have serious looking conversations. Uh-huh. Okay. You know what though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara being killed. Yeah. How fucking dare you? What the fuck have I ever done? You made my life hell and then you fucking killed me. It, how fucking dare you? It's like Susan. It's like, I'm just so pissed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's evil. So the police call Steve. Another guy on the trip. A guy on the fishing charter boat with Eli. Mennonite King. And tells them, okay, like this happened. Um, well, they tell he tells Steve Barbara has died. And you guys need to come straight to the justice center. But okay, so they, they're like, all right, we'll come. They uh, have to stop for gas on the way. And when they stop, Eli rushes out of the truck and goes to the bathroom and is clearly like texting someone. Dude, you're being, you didn't have to do it. You're acting like a thing happened to you and now you're having to clean it up. Yeah. You picked a time to kill her and right. you like had a plan. You did it. You're really acting like you weren't prepared for it. You know what I mean? Right. So the police ask Barbara's sister, Fanny, about her sister's marriage. Um, She's honest and tells him that it was not good. Eli was a incorrigible philanderer. Um, he could be physically and verbally abusive as well. And she tells them, I think this is Eli. Like, I think he had something to do with this. So when the police speak to him, they note that he is oddly unemotional. And they write in their report, quote, it should be noted during the interview that he was found to show very little emotion for someone who learned about losing their wife that morning. When confronted with involvement or knowledge of his wife's death, he stated a number of times he understood why we would believe he was involved. This is what his timeline is, or what he says it is. 
Monday, he went fishing at the Berlin Reservoir between 2 and 3. He returned home at around 11. When he got home, he did some farm work, talked to his wife, showered, slept, and then overslept and was awoken around 3.15 by his fishing friends knocking around his house. Um, None of the kids were awake when he left. He said they didn't argue, um, but she, she woke up when he woke up and they had their last conversation while he was getting dressed and then he left. When asked about his marriage, he said that they were working on it. He admitted to an affair with a woman named Sherry, but Barbara had forgiven him. And he eventually confesses to another affair with Barb Raber. He says that he had repented for both of these affairs and was forgiven. So this is Steve. Forgiven by who, by the way? Your fucking wife or God? Both and my dad. My dad forgave me? My dad and my mama. Oh, my God. Oh, they also, like, bought them a house when he came back the first time. Like, actually rewarding him, kind of. Right. This is Steve's story. Mennonite King. Mm. Uh, Got to Eli's house around three. He wasn't awake. He had to pound on the house to get him up. Eli had been acting strange all morning. The breakfast thing, the tackle box, the texting. And when they were driving home and they were told to drive directly to the Justice Center, Eli didn't question why, even though they had not yet been told it was a murder. Oh, suspicious. The Mennonite guy got a phone call like, hey, we need you downtown. Mm-hmm. And Eli didn't did not wonder why. Correct. Because all they were told, like, she's dead. They weren't they didn't say she was murdered. And he didn't have any kind of like, what the fuck reaction. Right. He didn't have like, why would we go to like the police or like emotional reaction to like my wife died? No. Love him. God, I love him. That's that's Eli. <laughs> So after questioning him, they drop Eli off at his parents' house and tell him they'll pick him up the next day for a polygraph. Time to get cuddled by mommy. Of course. They ask if there's a phone number where they can reach him, and he's like, I don't have a phone. You do. They quickly learn that he does have a cell phone. You do. You, like, are known for having a phone when you shouldn't. Right. So they contact Verizon to get a preservation notice to preserve texts sent to and from that cell phone, as well as a petition for a search warrant for the records. Uh, anything going on with your phone we got that right right idiot amish idiot (laughs) (laughs) the next day steve and his fishing boys go out to breakfast and they drive by barb driving eli somewhere so like they're still hanging we're in fucking cahoots dude clearly later that day detectives ask barb to come down for an interview and the first thing she does is ask if she's a suspect (laughs) barb fucking chill Barb gives them the rundown on her life. She was adopted when she was six years old. She was Amish until she turned 21 and her and her husband, Ed, became Mennonites instead. Which is like a kind of chiller version. Amish light. Yeah, because she can drive. Okay. So her parents were, her adoptive parents were Amish. They had four biological children who were all born with some kind of mysterious developmental issue that might have been genetic, but they did not have adequate testing at the time. So all of them died under the age of seven. Oh, awful. Uh, Yeah. They were all boys. Um, So after that, they started adopting girls and Barb was one of them. Um, Okay. They adopted three girls. Barb was the middle. Um, The first girl was like perfect Amish child. The youngest one got into trouble a lot, but Barb was like the problem. Mm. She lied all the time, seemingly for no reason. And, like, exaggerated everything, which is, like, she's a storyteller. I do fucking hate that, though. It's so creepy. A, a kid, kid lying. lying. 
oh, the good son, you know? You're right. Because it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you really doing? And like, what are you... You're trying you, to pull one over on me. What do you gain from being a little fucking liar? Very much like, I got two children hanging over a cliff and my knuckles are bleeding. And I know who I'm picking. Okay, so Barb had had several affairs. And her house was kind was borderline a hoarder situation. Mm. Um, she was impulsive, often depressed and anxious. You have like mental health issues. Like, yeah. Hello? Will the Mennonite community let her get help for that kind of thing? I don't know. Okay. It's also like, I bet the vibe in her childhood home was off. Yeah. The ghost of my brother's past. Picking to have to adopt girls as well like oh you're very damaged i mean of course you're damaged from losing all all those boys but yeah okay so eli would complain to her about amish life Mm, you can leave um (laughs) and his wife who would not do what he wanted her to do sexually fuck you the idea by the way of you complaining you're the one motherfucker who can leave yeah i can't like the wife she can't leave you think i'm having fun right you actually can leave the fuck are you whining about do us all a favor yeah leave free me right and also barb liked the idea of having eli all to herself well you're not you're not gonna no even if you get him like you're not gonna have him all to yourself that's just not his vibe lose him how you got him (laughs) he can't be he's polly (laughs) so they start talking about ways they could kill barbara poison is readily available on the farms um but eli did not want to poison her because he didn't want her to die a slow death because he is in a rush (laughs) forget the suffering i might endure you're in a rush yeah hate you he says so barb maybe you could blow up the house and she's like what about your children he's like blow them up what do you mean he shrugged and said they'd go to heaven because they're innocents okay Josh Powell blew up his fucking house with his kids in it. And I'm sure he told himself, like, well, they're going to heaven. They haven't done anything. What the hell, everyone? Like, you know that heaven is, like, plan B. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. We're not, like, trying to get there quickly. No, we're here for a reason, girls. Your kid had a journey on Earth and you blew it up. <laughs> okay. Barb is not down with blowing up children. So she starts to do some research about ways to kill Barbara. So over the course of a year, Eli is telling many of the women that he's sleeping with or sexting that he wants to murder his wife. Um, eventually, he and Barb decide that shooting her is the best way to go. He tells her he will be leaving early in the morning to go fishing with the boys and he will leave the basement door unlocked and she can sneak in and do the job. Hmm. So the police get a hold of Barb's cell phone records and see that she texted Eli the afternoon the day Barbara was found, saying, quote, whatever you do, don't give them don't give them your cell phone, please. They also discover that Barb had asked a former lover, David, to leave a message on the shanty phone. Hold on. (laughs) What? What? Let me explain. (laughs) The shanty phone. Is a shared phone for all the farmers to use, like, in a shanty. And they keep it in the shanty? Correct. Well, fine. Sure, I just said that. <laughs> okay. So she asked her former lover, David, to leave a message on the shanty phone the day of the murder, which he did. Furman, our neighbor, heard the message and told the police about it. Well, the message was, mm. Eli, we got the wrong person. You can run, but can't hide. Dave, why would you agree to leave that? <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure like i thought it would be like 
call me that day and, and act like we had a plan that day. You know, and act like we hung out that day. Right. But you're calling in to be like, we killed the wrong man. Like, right. you know, call to say, like, <laughs> should be hitting the South Tower at 11.15. No. Not 9-11. <laughs> we were, we saw it. Um, 9-11's my 9-11. Oh, Kendall drew the little... Okay. Should we put it on the Instagram? <laughs> yeah, we should. No, oh, that's so funny. Um, we were in f- first grade when that happened, and we had to write in our little journal every morning. And she literally had us write like your take. How do you feel today about nine eleven happening yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> okay, kids. <laughs> Kendall drew a little recap of of nine eleven. <laughs> did she ask or did I take that upon myself? I, well, I can't imagine that she... What would the prompt have been? I think the prompt is always like, what'd you do yesterday? How are you feeling today? Yeah. And you were like, we're, we've, we're a nation in mourning. How, how am I doing? I'm, a, I'm an American, first and foremost. <laughs> well, Mrs. K, I'm an American. <laughs> and just like many other Americans tonight, I'm mourning. <laughs> okay. But like, dead ass. We, um... We talk about a lot of crazy shit, and 9-11's too far? I don't think so. Well, we're not, like, in favor. You know, that's what it really comes down to. All right. So, the message on the shanty phone is obviously a ruse dreamed up by Eli to make people think that someone was out to kill him, but got his wife instead. Okay. Stupid. Why would that ever work? And why would that ever happen? Okay. So, yeah, the phone records show that the call to the shanty phone did come from Dave. Um, and he had also loaned Barb a shotgun a few years ago that she never returned. Well, a gun ain't cheap. I'm going <laughs> to need that back. Right. Well, she's got some power over some men here. Oh, a 25-year-old woman named Dandy called the police to let them know that she had had an affair with Eli and he had said some disturbing things to her. Their affair began two years ago. They met online. His profile was Amish stud. And he asked, quote, who wants to do an Amish guy? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. This is, this is where no, I'm going to take I'm not done. Um, Go on. That... I, I get why that might work for him. Really? Not for me. Okay. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, like... I get why he is, like, working that angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, the novelty of it. Yeah. Dozens of women with handles like two underscore much underscore ass, (laughs) 69 smiley girl, and naughty little sexy sex slave. Oh, shit. Damn. (laughs) So... They remained friends after ending their sexual relationship, um, but she did see some red flags. Um, Wait, he talked to the, the women with, with um, those, those handles, yes. Okay. So when talking to Dandy, he would talk about how ways to kill someone, and if she ever came to his house and saw his wife in the driveway, she should just run her over. Why would I do that? To please this Amish stud? <laughs> Amish stud. Amish stud? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like, I do think there might be a thing here with, you're talking to women who, they want to fuck, and you're talking about murder? Like, they're equal. 
you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Okay. Like there are shades to this, but if everything's bad and awful and of like hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you're not going to really differentiate between them. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Okay. So, um, Dandy agrees to cooperate with law enforcement and calls Eli and asks him what was going on. Like, she's like, I'll do this wiretap thing. Oh, cool. But he just says, my wife is murdered. I can't say anything else. He doesn't give her anything. Police get his phone records and talk to more of the women he met as the Amish stud. They also report that he had made offhand comments about killing his wife, but he would always pretend he was joking. They find hundreds of texts between Eli and Barb. Um, he was actually on her family plan. Oh, down bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're paying for him to talk to you. Oof. Oof. <laughs> and other bitches. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, leading up to the day of the murder, most of their texts were just about ways to kill Barb. They could Barbara. Sorry. (laughs) They discussed dosing her with sleeping pills, then poisoning her with carbon monoxide. Bunch of different things. Um, June 1st, Eli texts Barb, encouraging her to go through with murdering Barbara. And by June 10th, they're both arrested. So when they talk to Barb, her first story is that she was at home the night of the murder, but eventually she changes the story to say she just wanted to scare Barbara with the gun and it went off. Okay, come on. So this is what happened. She snuck out of her house early in the morning and between 2.21 a.m. and 4.47 a.m., her and Eli are texting a bunch. We're in the middle of the night. Correct. <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing that game of like being on Amish time with you talking about 2 a.m. being early in the morning. Middle of the, <laughs> middle of the night. Okay. <laughs> by <laughs> by 3.37 a.m., Eli was at the diner. God, how could it be open? What are you talking about? <laughs> it could be a Denny's. 24 hours. Okay, yeah. It had to be. Must have been a Denny's. <laughs> and she texted him asking where she should park. Eli told her that he left the basement door unlocked and told her to take a flashlight and then text her at 4.47 a.m. to park behind the pine trees. Oh, at 4.40 we're not killed yet? No. He did leave the house with her alive. Okay. So they search Barb's house. They find two cell phones, three laptops, a 22 caliber rifle, 20-gauge shotgun, bunch of shells, magazines, bullets, etc. But they did not find the type of gun they believed to have shot Barbara. Uh, they find 800 searches on her computer about how to poison a person. <clears throat> I don't know how to tell them, like, if it happened through technology, it will live forever. Right. What you Google, what you text, who you call. How scary is that? I'm afraid. Why aren't they afraid? What, you don't have to live in fear like I do? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. They determine Barb's husband, Ed, had no idea what was going on, the murder, the affair, any of it. Oh. Yeah, I'm offline. Simple Ed. I'm disconnected. In August, Eli's attorneys try to broker a deal. uh, He will testify against Barb in exchange for pleading guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. He tries to say the murder was Barb's idea, um, and it would have been useless to try to talk her out of it. She was dead set on murdering my wife to pee with me, man. Crazy women, man. Okay. Barb turns down her plea deal and pleads not guilty and has a trial. She sticks with the story that she was just trying to scare her and the gun went off. Um, David testifies about having to make the shanty call phone call thing. Having to. The shanty call. (laughs) So Barb Selly talks. They always talk. Um, She said that Barb told her she bought a shotgun and asked um, and also asked her if she knew how long fingerprints would stay on a gun. 
Till they're wiped? I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. What? <laughs> Until How long does anything stay on anything? I'm not sure. <laughs> Eli once again minimizes his involvement. Um, the defense says there's no physical evidence. The murder weapon is still missing. Um, and but they we have the plan. Yeah, the text messages are like signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah, you're done. what do you? I don't care if you didn't find the gun. Right. You have the entire plan written out right you couldn't be dumber her defense like raises the question you know did eli kill barbara himself before he left the house which is like you know a fair question yeah but like i'm texting you at 4 40 like park here to kill her right and you're right, like right. got it babe right after five hours of deliberation barb is found guilty of aggravated murder and sentenced to life she is eligible for parole in 2032 Eli pled guilty. He got 15 to life and is eligible for parole in 2024. Wow. Here's our man. Look at that haircut. No, that cannot be Barb. Oh, he played her with an inch of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Google Barb. Well, I mean, look how scary he is. I kind of get how he played Barb. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Barb got played within an inch of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he got the plea deal too. Like, fuck fuck you. you. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. 